My name is Colin Klecker, and I want to welcome you to the Terribly Beautiful Podcast. So it's Tuesday, March 17th, 2020, and here in Minneapolis, Minnesota, my two kids and I just wrapped up our first day of social isolation. And we're finally going to do it. We're going to start that podcast that we've been talking about for over a year. That's all about playing games and sharing them with the internet, sharing them with the world and trying to make a connection. And I think that now more than ever, this is the time for us to find new ways of connecting with people, um, new ways of keeping ourselves busy and keeping ourselves um, happy and full of joy. And, um, you know, telling stories is uh, the way that we've done that as humans all throughout history. And we need to find new stories to tell. And I think that tabletop role-playing games helps us tell new stories to each other. Me and my kids actually playing tabletop role-playing games is going to be, I think, the heart of this show. We're also going to talk about game design. And um, I've got some projects I'm working on. My seven-year-old son, Amesa, is an avid tabletop role-playing game designer. And um, I'm excited to get him talking about his own projects and we want to hear from you we want you to call in um are you and your kids playing games together are you podcasting about it are you listening are you out there say hi let's make a connection and uh, we're going to be reaching out to some of the folks that are out there too in that osr anchorite universe and uh we're going to keep exploring and seeing who else is out there and um just, uh, you know, we're all on this crazy ride together. And um, what can we do to bring a smile across the face of the people that we love? Um, and how can we share that with more and more people? So thank you for being here. We're going to jump into our first actual play, which is The Hole in the Oak by Gavin Norman. Uh, and uh, we're playing a little hack of mine, actually. It's a hack of Tunnel Goons by Nate Treme with some elements from Ironsworn by Sean Tompkin. And uh, I'm going to get into the details of it uh, in a future episode. Um, and so for now, let's let's just dive into the game. Let's get that story going. All right. Enjoy. <laughs> Esli, are you ready for an adventure? Amesa, are you ready for an adventure? I think so. You're both traveling through an enchanted forest. Amesa, you heard something. My name's not Amesa, my oh, name is Exo. Exo, you heard a rumor that a water dragon lives in a great submerged cavern underneath this forest. And S the best, you heard that a giant lizard guards an ancient shrine with long lost <coughs> treasure. <coughs> what do you guys think? <coughs> do you want to go find the old ancient I do, I do, I oak do, tree? I do, I do. All right. Yeah. Well, you come up against it. Well, actually, you know what? Something happens on your way there. Let me tell you what it is. As you are searching for the ancient oak tree that is rumored to have a hole inside of it, a small purple lizard scurries along the wall 
nearby. And it goes, is it? It burped. Do you want to do anything with this lizard or do you uh, let it keep scurrying along? I put it in a, a tiny cage and then I, I keep it as a pet. Okay, so Esley is playing S the Best, who just happens to be the mother pig from Peppa Pig, a much-loved TV program in our household. Um, so uh, S has two edge, one heart, two iron, and zero wits, and S the Best is rocking monster cages, and Esley makes just delightful use of them throughout this whole adventure. And uh, she's also heavily armored with a chest plate, a shield, a helmet, she also has two magic spells. She's got Magic Mouth and Knock Lock, both of which are from the Black Hack spell books, which my kids just adore. Um, but honestly, everything is playing uh, second fiddle to the monster cages, as you uh, are about to find out. Okay, you've got to catch it first, though, and that is going to be our first roll of the game. It's going to be an edge roll. I go catch it, and okay. I put it in. Okay, so roll your dice, and we're going to add edge One to that. One dice or two dice? Both of them. Okay. So roll those, and then we'll add something to it. All right, you got a three and a two. Esli, the difficulty score of this lizard to catch it is a six. So you got to beat a six. Right now you have five. Guess what? We add your cage to it, and that gives you a six. You caught it. I could. What are you gonna do with your new little lizard? That and you know, right? Right when you catch it, it goes, Gazak. And it looks at you and it goes, Gazak. And I put it and I put it a little. Then I make a very very small cage and put it in. Is okay. it big or tiny? It's like um, it's pretty tiny. Then they put it in tiny. We better write that down on your inventory. Then you have a new lizard, Kazakh the lizard. Daddy, I just figured out. That 189 plus 274 is 463. Cool. Okay. Let's play, uh, let's play an adventure game. Or we could just do math. Do you want to do more math? Math. Let's <laughs> okay, do let's an play adventure, adventure game where I know while you guys are playing. And then I'll play with my turn. <laughs> okay, you'll just be doing math in the meantime. Whatever you got to do to keep yourself busy. Okay, so Esley, you've now got nine, or sorry, seven of your eight slots full. That means there's only one extra left here, and that doesn't leave you a lot of energy. So it's up to you, but if you want to keep Keswick the lizard, you might want to maybe get rid of, like, your helmet, just so you have more energy. What do you think? Or do you want to just go with the one extra energy left so far? Do you want to, do you want to think about it? Do something about it Why later. can you say again? I, was, I don't remember because I'm staring at your face. Oh my God. Just destroyed by my four-year-old right there. <laughs> what did you say again? I don't remember because I was staring at your face. Thanks, Esley. <laughs> no, but seriously, if, uh, if this isn't a perfect example of rules getting in the way of the game, then I'm not sure what is. Um... I think what's going on here is that I I need to daylight the connection between attributes and my energy slots. Um, and the way I want Iron Goons to work is that your energy slots are a kind of catch-all for the items that you're holding and the energy it takes to, to hold on to them and carry them with you. Um, the spells and the magic that you want to cast um, and the energy that it takes to cast them. 
And uh, two more things. I, I think it can um, also be a way to add a little push mechanic. So if you want to add a plus one to your roll, you just need to use one of your energy slots and use that right up. And finally, you know, when you've got all of your energy going to either items or spells or it's been used by extra pushes, um, you just, you're, you're not operating at full capacity and the attributes bonuses to your rolls need to take a little bit of a hit or maybe a big hit. And so um, the idea is that, you know, if you, however many empty slots you have, that is what allows the attribute bonus to, uh, you know, to, for you to get that full attribute bonus. So if you've got a three in iron and you want to be able to do a strength action roll, an iron action roll, um, you've got to have three empty slots. You need to have at least that much energy kind of um, unspent. Um, and so that kind of creates a economy of energy and how you use it. And um, you're always going to be balancing magic versus, uh, you know, weapons or armor versus the ability to do a push versus the ability to make the most of the attributes that you have. So I've either got too much going on there and I need to simplify um, or I need to really daylight that connection and make it more clear um, how that all works together. So we'll come back to that, okay? I'll try to present it to you in a better format later. And I make a head and mm -hmm. I tell it to do a, every song in this earth. You tell Kazakh the lizard to sing songs? No, I mean, I make the a head that sings songs. Oh, the magic mouth. Magic mouth. Okay, hold on to that. Let's not spend that spell yet. That's one of your spells and you only get to use it once, okay? All right. You guys continue on, and you're almost halfway there. Actually, you're really, you're getting closer, but something else happens. <clears throat> Suddenly, Ixo, you look down, and there's worms writhing on the ground, and suddenly you realize that's not grass you're walking on. It's worms. And I step they on form one. right in front of your eyes. They form the letters B-U-R-N. You might want to write this down. It's like they're speaking to you in a code. B U R N T H E S T U M P. And then they wiggle away, and you don't even know what happened to them. They're just gone. Burn the and then I and then I try to. Are you gonna try to catch a worm? Yeah, and I put it in the tiniest cage I well, can make. Guess what? You gotta do another edge roll. This is gonna be another action roll. Roll those dice. I just I just burn the stump. Does that I seem guess, like a secret code to you? No, it just sounds like burn the stump. You might wanna remember that. That might be important. Alright, Ashley, do an edge roll, so that means you add up your two dice after you roll them, you add edge, and you can use your monster cage again. Say do one or two. You do both of them. Every time in this game we roll, we always roll both. And remember, this one, it's also a six. Ooh. Oh, no, I gotta try again. No, that, okay, because you bounced it out. Yeah. Okay, roll them both in here so they both count. Four plus Gonna keep five. the four? Gonna keep the four, four and the plus, five? <laughs> four plus five. Nine plus one for edge. <laughs> Plus one for the monster cage. Now you only get one for edge because you only have this one energy slot here. 
So that's 9, 10, 11. You totally caught this worm. What are you going to name it? I'm going to name it Boots. Boots. Love it. All right. Boots the worm. All right, Esley. Your inventory is all full right now. You guys are starting at level one, and so that means you don't have a ton of inventory space. I put it Gotta in... Gotta be careful with how you use that. I put it in a cage tinier than a mouse. Because they're tinier than mouse. That makes sense. All right, you guys. Suddenly, you come to a clearing. <clears throat> in fact, it's an airy forest glade, this dark, enchanted forest. Suddenly, it opens up, and light shines through the trees, and you hear some birds chirping, and the grass is green, and there's wildflowers everywhere, and it's like you're in a dream. Time seems to stand still. Dad. And right in front of you, there's an ancient, gnarled oak tree. Dad, inside, frozen <clears throat> too, there's an enchanted forest, and oh. and on and also, as little kids, they play. We're just going to fast forward through about two minutes of frozen lore. Okay. Fast forward. There's fairies in the one day play. But you know what? There, there might be fairies and unicorns in this. We just have to find out. <laughs> Excitement. Okay. All right. There's... What do you do? You see this old oak tree. This is just like what you heard in the rumors. There's this old oak tree. This guy? And, but you know what? The rumors say that... All of this treasure is underneath the tree. I paralyze the tree and get the treasure. <laughs> well, what do you want to do? You're standing uh, probably about 20 feet away from this tree. It's beautiful, and time seems to stand still. Do you want to, I don't know, investigate the tree a little bit? What's that? Ashley, do you think you want to investigate the tree? Well, of course. Of course. All right, well, S the best, the bravest of the brave, walks up to the tree. And guess what? In the roots of the tree, you see a three-foot hole. Yep, we're about Is that feet that away. gold guy? It, yeah, you look down into the hole, and it goes down like 20 feet. And there's like a glow coming from down there, and you can see sand down below. And I go in, and I run super speed down. Well, you see a ladder. The roots actually seem to form kind of a ladder that you could just climb down. I climb down the ladder and I run super speed and try to find that light. All right, so that is a great idea. Now, Mesa, what are you doing? Are you still standing there just kind of taking it all in? Exo, sorry, good point. Exo, what are you doing? I'm doing math of how far we can go. Well, 20... Well, while you've been doing all of this math, <laughs> figuring out the distance to the tree, Honey, S the best has, uh, she's already there. She's starting to climb down into the hole. She's going to beat you to that treasure. One, one. Okay, come on. And I run super speed that I even find that treasure okay. first. Roll, roll one of these. Yeah, but I'm Wait, Ashley, let me give you this one. Roll this one. And now, I, if you get a one, you might fall. But if you get anything else, you'll be fine. Okay. I go so fast that I find the treasure. You are definitely beating EXO, that is for sure. And that is how you engender inter-party conflict as a DM. Take note, all ye who listen to this, <laughs> and uh, 
it doesn't have to be a competition between your kids. <laughs> um, I am going to be paying for that later on. Maybe not in this episode, but uh, certainly in the next episode. <laughs> okay. okay, you're safe. All right, so you made it down to the bottom. Okay, and you look up, and Axo, are you starting to climb down the ladder too? Yes. All right. Now, honey, this is why I want you to pay attention to the game so that you can be in the game, okay? You got a zero, which is, no, you got a 10. Perfect. You are fine. Suddenly, you're both down at the bottom of this shaft. And I run super And the floor, don't run too fast because I haven't described the room that you're in yet. The floor is all sand and the walls are just like dirt and you see roots coming in and out. And uh, who's looking around the most? Me. Me. Exo, you look at some roots and one really large one next to your head says, Nolly's Kingdom. N-O-L-L-Y. Nolly. How do you spell that? you're looking around too. You look down and guess what kind of... You know how you're always looking for animal tracks? Yeah. Guess what kind of tracks you see? What? All kinds of hoof prints. Like something with hoofs. Like a goat or a or a horse. A goat person. I don't know. And I saw it in the book. And hey, they, no cheating. And they follow those footprints. They follow the tracks. And I find that person animal. Good and idea. I put it in a big humongous <clears throat> cage. Yes, more monster cages. So cool and so useful. Perfect idea. Well, well, you follow, there is a path out of this area and you go through it for a little bit and suddenly it's not so sandy on the floor anymore. It becomes a little bit more like you're crawling through this like dirt hole and you can go to the left and you can go to the right. Now there's something that you notice in this low tunnel Esley, since you're in front, you see an old leather glove right at the junction where it goes left and right. But you don't have any room left or any energy left to pick it up. So I do. Maybe do you want to pick it up? Now, Mesa, that will mean that you won't be able to do all three of that. You'll be able to only do two. No, I'm not picking it up. Okay, you leave it there. I'm just going to paralyze it. After all, it's just an old leather glove. I'm going to paralyze it. doesn't seem that special. Do you really want to use one of your spells? Yeah, I'm going to paralyze it. Okay, but honey, once you use that spell, that one's crossed off until you rest. Okay? No, I'm not going to pay that. Okay, I think that's a good, okay idea. I'm going to leave it there. Now, who looks to the left and who looks to the right? I look to the right. All right. So, to the right, you notice a faint green glow, and it feels weirdly warmer to the right than it does to where you are. Let me see my real hand. Do you look the other way? Amesa's looking to the right, and he sees a green, glowing light coming from that area. Do you want to look to the north? I turn into an octopus, because actually I want to change my person into a pig octopus. I'm cool with that. You want to change S the best into a pig octopus? A, a, a you work pig, on that drawing, okay? A pig octopus. A pigtopus. Yeah. Pigtopus. Do you look to the north to I see do. the other direction? You ask the best. You hear a distant sound of rushing something. Is it wind? Is it water? You can't quite tell. Ask the best and Exo, you guys have to talk to each other to decide which direction to go. Do you go towards the green warm light? Or do you go towards the distant sound of rushing like wind or water? 
Green warm light. Okay, that's one vote for green warm light. That's the best. Where do you want to go? Towards the light? I want to go keep following the footprints and I find out who... Oh, you want to follow the footprints? Yeah. Does that's the best look down to see if she can track them? Yeah. You see that they're going towards the green warm light. Yeah. Is that where you want to go? Yeah, to find them. <clears throat> All right. Now you walk for a little ways and it gets tighter and tighter and the ceiling gets a little bit lower and suddenly there's more and more roots all around you. And suddenly these roots, they start to tickle you a little bit. They start to reach out. Are they reaching for you? Are they reaching? <laughs> what do you want to do? The way is blocked with roots. I How bite do you get through them? them? I bite oh, them. Oh, you bite them. Let me see. You've got the cage and the shield and you bite them. Do you push them? Do you bite them? I push them and they bite them. Oh, and guess awesome. what I do? Yeah. I make some cages to make sure the wall doesn't fall down on us. Oh my gosh. That's the best. That is smart thinking. Of course. Of course that's what you do. Get a four-year-old in your game. Just go out ask your friends, bring your kids, like it, you will be blown away by the creativity and, uh, innovation. Like, yeah, use that monster cage to prop up the tunnel so it doesn't collapse all around you. Genius. Oh, all right. That's the proud dad in me right there. So I want to do a little wrap up. I'll, um, I'm going to do some stars and wishes style. Um, uh, you know, I want to talk about hole in the oak. I want to talk about me running the game. And I want to talk a little bit about iron goons and where that's going and what I want to do with it and what I'm learning about it. So starting with hole in the oak, I've, I've got nothing but stars for this so far. The layout is just fantastic. Um, I am sitting there, I've got it in one hand and I'm, you know, sipping my old fashioned in my other hand and it's so clear. Um, I can look at it and, you know, reading it when you're lying in bed at night, <laughs> reading it to get a handle on all the different pieces and, uh, you know, how, how they all work together and you're doing your prep, um, for me, at least, it it wasn't quite clear how it would play uh, because it's not written in such a way that, you know, you're supposed to read it for prep. And I think that that's a really important distinction is um, the adventure module as written for a read through for the GM who's going to have to memorize everything and, and then kind of internalize it and then regurgitate it at the table versus the adventure module written to be played at the table. And that's where this shines, like very little else that I've come across. And now looking at it, running it, it just comes so naturally. And I, I love that, like the way that it's bolded, um, the bullet points, when you're at the table running the game, it's effortless. And that's with one night of um, review, you know, last night. So big star right there. All right. So running the game. Um, I am going to say that I've been having a ton of fun and my kids are too. Like we are just enjoying it. It's really quality time. I can't wait to play again tomorrow night. Um, 
I am happy with the way that they are engaged. And I think that, um, you know, for, for what it's worth, I'm doing a good job of keeping them engaged. My energy is up because I'm having so much fun because the whole thing is so effortless to play. Um, and I, I can tell that, you know, Esley is just like, she, she is hyper-focused in on this story and what her character is doing. And she's so engaged with the surroundings and the descriptions and how she's gonna make the most of it with the tools that she has i she's like a natural born osr uh player it's it's pretty great um i as far as wishes i want to give mesa more spotlight um he's got a tendency to kind of like go off into his own world. Like he was literally doing math problems on the back of his page, just coming up with, um, you know, addition problems. He's, he just learned how to carry the one. And so he's just back there doing math and, um, you know, it's, it's keeping his mind focused. Um, but I, I, I think I can do a better job of like bringing him in and asking him questions and making sure that, uh, XO is a really critical part of the story. So I'm going to keep working on that. And um, I want to encourage more interaction between the two of them. Sometimes it kind of feels like they are um, like soloing this adventure kind of side by side, if that makes any sense. Um, and I want to get them talking to each other and engaging with each other. I would love to see, um, you know, my son and my daughter engaging in that kind of way. Um, I think, I don't know, I think there's a potential for role play to kind of like allow them not to be brother and sister, you know, even if just for 20 or 30 minutes out of the day and uh, become these other players and, and maybe enjoy each other's company in a totally different way. And so I'm going to keep pushing for that. And finally, um, Iron Goons. I'm loving how flexible it is. And that's all hats off to Nate Treme and, um, and Sean Tompkin who um who really you know both of their games tunnel goons and iron sworn are all about flexibility and all about like creating a solid rule set that allows for player driven narrative to flourish and a big part of that especially when you're playing with children you know a seven-year-old and a four-year-old is just kind of letting them do what they want. And so this whole energy system, like the idea behind it is that like, I don't want to have rules about like, well, you got to do this or that, or like, you know, if you want to do magic, here's the magic system. Um, I want to let them just spend that energy, whatever it is they want to do. If they want to have monster cages, that's going to take up an energy slot. We'll figure out the, you know, the logistics of how those things actually work at some point. But like for the time being, like, yeah, you know, yeah, you can switch like you are now, you know, oh, it's it's coming in the next one. Uh, Esley's character is going to take a change um, and that's OK and it's fun and it keeps them in the game and it allows them to feel like anything is possible. But there's also rules to the system. And I think that they're starting to get that. So um I think my, my wish is that, you know, I want to make some of these systems, I want to make them a little bit more um, legible to the kids. Because my, uh, my philosophy is that if my kids can grok the system, then, um, then I think that it's, it's working the way that it should.
So that's a wrap on the first episode of the Terribly Beautiful podcast. And if you're still listening, thank you. Um, Thank you for joining my kids and I as we play games and tell stories. And, oh, man, I have just been um, inspired by all the other podcasters here on Anchor and elsewhere who share the stories that they tell with their friends and family and the games that they play. And I can only hope that maybe someday um, someone will hear this and, you know, feel inspired to play a game with their kids um, and maybe to even dig into game design themselves. So much fun. I get so much out of it and I can't wait for the next episode. So I hope to see you then.